Hey Albuquerque, it's Ryan. Did you know that you can leave us a 60 second voice message right on your own Anchor app for us? It's true. We are gearing up for our first ever listeners episode and we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a message and tell us about some of the ironies that you've noticed about living with coronavirus or how plague has impacted your work or business or what weird or artistic things you've been up to lately as you've been stuck at home. In the meantime, you can also post your answers and pictures on social media with the hashtag Speaks. Take care, stay safe, and remember, we're all in this together. On this week's episode of What's Up ABQ, since you can't leave the house, we're taking you on a virtual tour of New Mexico's past. Way past. You've seen the volcanoes on the west side, but did you know they're relatively young? And did you know New Mexico has a state fossil? I have found uh, more than one. They're only in New Mexico. Yes, they're unique to New Mexico. I'm the one that excavated that. We all know our state has an amazing history, but maybe you don't know how historic it really is. Today, Ryan and Lindsay and our special guest interviewer take you a few million years into the past to introduce you to the ancient days of New Mexico. Have you ever discovered a new discovered dinosaur? Travel back in time to find out what's up, ABQ. What's up, Albuquerque? This is Lindsay. And this is Ryan. And this is season two of What's Up, ABQ. Welcome back to another episode of What's Up, ABQ. I am Ryan. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are with... Tom Williamson. I'm a curator of paleontology at the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science. And Misty Cardi. I'm a museum educator here at the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science. Awesome. So we are sitting in this secret room (laughs) at the New Mexico Natural History Museum, and I wanted to kind of talk to you about some things that are coming up. I know, Misty, you guys have some things coming up in the near future that you kind of wanted to mention. Um, So I kind of wanted to kick it off with that and see what's going on and what's coming up for you guys. Yeah, so we're going to have a brand new traveling exhibit here at the museum uh, titled Tiny Titans, which is all about baby dinosaurs and uh, dinosaur eggs. And we're going to be having a grand opening on March 14th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And it also is the same day that the public vote for naming our animatronic Miss Beast down in the lobby will be announced. Uh, at 1 p.m., we're going to have cake and birthday hats, and they're going to have a birth certificate that we reveal as well with their name. I know. So do you have some good name submissions so far? Yeah, well, there's Juniper and Bella and Bonita... Scientifically speaking, we can't say. You're like, it's a robot. Yes, yes, yes. It's gender neutral. It's very gender neutral, yes, yes. The robot is gender neutral. But I yeah, the powers that be who I Everybody decided it was a female, so that's what we're going with. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so you'll hear our volunteers tell people that she's a she, the animatronic. Okay, so now we know. Now we know. In case anybody had any any questions about that, it's cleared up, I think, at this point, maybe. <laughs> and so for, for people listening, uh, where, where are we in town? Just so people know. We're downtown. So we're, uh, we're right on Mountain Road, right across from Old Town. Mm-hmm. 18th Street. Yep. Yeah, Mountain and 18th. I'm going to say something really silly, but you don't look like a paleontologist. <laughs> what? 
Indiana Jones hat. I was excited. Oh, wow. Yeah. I only put that <laughs> on. With, with the little walking stick. Yeah, I only put on that garb on special days yeah. when I'm out in the field. So tell us a little bit about what a paleontologist is, for those who may not know or not t- fully understand what you do, um, and then kind of your role here. So a paleontologist is somebody who studies ancient life. And uh, I'm a special kind of paleontologist. I'm a vertebrate paleontologist. So I study yeah, vertebrate animals, you know, now extinct, now long extinct. So uh, and I mostly work in New Mexico. So uh, my job is to go out in the field and, um, you know, I plan the expeditions, take crews out in the field, collect fossils, mostly um, vertebrate fossils, including dinosaurs. And I bring them back and then I conduct the research on them. Usually we're trying to solve some sort of a research problem. So we gear our research activities out in the field to answering certain scientific questions. So what are some of the scientific questions in your field right now in New Mexico? Well, New Mexico has this fantastic record of what we call the KPG boundary, which is that episode when dinosaurs went extinct. That is all the dinosaurs except for birds. We're studying the pattern of extinction, you know, what dinosaurs were alive right at the very end of the Cretaceous period. And, uh, and then we're also studying what happens immediately afterward in the first few million years following the extinction, you know, was a global catastrophe and watching the ecosystems recover from that. And uh, New Mexico is one of the best records in the world for that interval of time. You know, and it's funny that you mentioned that. I was recently up at this writer's salon uh, where I work up at Santa Fe Workshops and one of the writers there had written something on, it was kind of covering that. And I always think of like, you know, the asteroid coming and like, it's so far away. It's somewhere else, you know, but then you start thinking like, that's not far away from New Mexico. Not really. Like you're, you're pretty close to, you know, where it went down. And so it makes sense that with the climate and how close you are. Uh, Well, the asteroid impact was such a big deal. I mean, it happened in the Yucatan right right across the Gulf, which is, you know, like next door for New Mexico, I suppose, but it had a global impact. I mean, it affected everywhere on the planet. (laughs) Well, they were saying, the guy was saying even like there's, there's like astrobiologists who are are saying that some of the, the debris from that impact went all the way out to like some of like Jupiter's moons. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so there's a, there's a chance that like living microbes survive that, which is uh, well, which I is really it's crazy. That would be cool. Well, it got me thinking, you know, it's all kind of it's connected really well. So what makes New Mexico's ecosystem and climate maybe um, helpful in your field of study? Oh, well, it helps us because it's got a very arid climate, and that means there's a lot of erosion. There's not much plant cover, and that is a, like, makes it a perfect environment for finding fossils. <laughs> so we have spectacular badland exposures of Cretaceous Age deposits. And that's, I mean, we find fossils the same way people did 100 years ago. We just wander around out in the Badlands and look for (laughs) fossil bones eroding out. And there have been little kids who have found fossils here in New Mexico. Yes, that's true. Six-year-old down in Las Cruces and an 11-year-old just out here in the Ojito, I believe it was, yeah? Yeah. So So what kind of fossils have you found? You always steal my questions. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm waiting patiently to ask, and then he just goes in for it. So, okay. To be fair, when I was about... we also, he hasn't, he hasn't talked yet, but Luke, Luke well, have you? So my son Luke is here. He's seven and he's a big dinosaur fan. And so we brought him with us to be a part of the podcast today. And later on, he's going to ask us a couple, well, he's going to ask Tom a couple questions um, about dinosaurs. But yeah, so did you want to introduce yourself real quick? Um, my name is Luke Dominguez. I'm from New Mexico. 
Did you want to say hi to your class? I know you had mentioned that. I'm, I'm in Miss Townsend's class. Yep. In Demi's Travis Elementary. Okay. Just saying, when I was about his age, this was my dream job. Oh. So. You know, I do remember when you were about his age, we went in our backyard and we started digging. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why our parents let us dig for so long because they just were like, you know, go at it. We lived in Oregon. So I don't know if they thought like we were going to get rained out or we were going to give up or something. I'm not really sure. But we dug and dug and dug and we did find bones. They were like cow bones. But yeah. So but we were like, we found something. It was so exciting at that time. You know, I know our parents were like, you found what did you find? (laughs) Like what? No, bury back. So, So anyways, Full circle. What, what, what sorts of things have you found here? Uh, well, you know, my research focuses on uh, Cretaceous and Paleogene. I, I know that's kind of technical, I guess, but, you know, I, I've been working up here in New Mexico and in in mostly up in northwestern New Mexico in the San Juan Basin for, boy, about 30 years, if you include when I was a graduate student. So just all kinds of fossils, but mostly vertebrate fossils, you know, fossils of... Uh, Mammals, dinosaurs, crocodiles, turtles, things like that. You found the pentaceratops. I have found uh, more than one. Yeah. Pentaceratops. And they're only in New Mexico. Yes, they're unique to New Mexico. And uh, the Bistai Beast, you know, Bistahi Verser, I'm the one that excavated that. It was found by a volunteer. You know, I kind of guided him, you know, told him where to look. He discovered it one weekend when he was out with his dog, I guess, hiking around. (laughs) And um, and then it took us, you know, about six months to collect that. So that was back in the 90s. But I go out every year and collect more and more fossils. Did you want to ask your question? You had a question. It was a good one. Um, How hard is it to, like, get a, like... of like full built skeleton. Full skulls are very rare. <laughs> They're rare. So when we find something like that, it's very exciting. And mm-hmm. haven't collected too many of those uh, for dinosaurs. Probably maybe only half a dozen complete dinosaur skulls or nearly complete ones. He even carried some out on his back. Oh, we? yeah. <laughs> well, the smaller dinosaurs. He, <laughs> I, I like small dinosaurs because they're so much easier to collect. Um, but I've collected uh, Pachycephalosaurus, you know, the boneheaded dinosaurs. And I collected a Parasaurolophus skull. That's the trombone dinosaur. It makes those sounds with its crest um like like how and another question is like how like is it does it take like as does it take years to find a skeleton oh yeah (laughs) i would say yeah years but uh it also you have to be lucky and um sometimes it helps to go at just the right time so i started collecting dinosaurs probably in the mid-1990s. And at that time, nobody had been looking for them up in that basin for Mm. 20 years or so. And uh, so there had been a long period of erosion, and nobody had been out there collecting anything. So I've found a lot those first few years. Now it's a lot harder because we got all the good stuff. (laughs) And sometimes it's hard to, it takes a long time to excavate the whole, oh, yes. all the bones, right? Like the seismosaurus, yes. like finding yeah. all the pieces. Like I said, stuff. I like the smaller dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody's out and maybe they're curious, they want to go look, they want to see what they can find. What do they look for? What do they, what would be a good indicator that, Hey, there might be some bones around here, or this not, might be a not good, a and not, <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't go in your backyard in Oregon. Step one. Um, uh, yeah. Let me just put in a little warning. It, is illegal to collect fossils off of federal lands without a permit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you can look, you know, I just, just say don't touch and contact us and then we'll go out. We have the, the permits and, and we have the skills and, and everything to collect something like that intact, hopefully. <laughs> but what would someone look for? So we go out and it's basically anything that looks unusual. So, and, and a lot of it looks like modern bone. But it's usually, um, we say it's permineralized, so it's turned to rock. It's usually heavy and brittle, fragile, but it looks different than regular rocks. How, if, they, if people do find something, how, how do they contact you? Well, they can just uh, go to the museum's website, and uh, you know my email is there, Dr. Thomas Williamson. Or you can contact one of the other curators and uh, send me an email, hopefully with a picture. <laughs> we also have Mineral Mondays here at the museum and people are welcome to bring in things that they find gems rocks fossils that they may things they may think it might be a fossil and um, people are there to help identify what those objects are did you realize now i'm going to go and find all of these different rocks and next monday i'm going to be here with my basket of rocks and i'm going to be like okay tell me what this is yeah well one little clue right if it's if it's actually a fossil is that if you put it on your tongue Uh, yeah so fossilized bone (laughs) it's still a little porous and sometimes it looks a lot like fossilized wood which is also very common up there and uh Fossil wood won't stick to your tongue if you lick it, but fossil bone will. That's like this kind of neat little trick. <laughs> I never would have thought of that. That's did you? That's pretty crazy. But don't put all rocks in your mouth, okay? <laughs> Talk with your parents first. You don't know where that. You don't need to do that. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to ask you is if people want to get involved in maybe like an excavation and go the formal route and join something like that, how do they go about doing that? And then like, what can they expect? Yeah, there is a, a organization of volunteers here, the New Mexico Friends of Paleontology. They're actually part of our uh, museum's uh, volunteer corps. And uh, they sometimes go out and help us out in the field and lead trips and things like that. So I would contact them, the New Mexico Friends of Paleontology. Uh, so... A little bit off mic and then a little bit so far we've been talking. What are some of the events that are coming up that people can come and uh, be a part of what's going on here? Uh, so one thing, uh, one major part that I'm a part of is all of our family programming. So we have a story time that's here uh, twice a month on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Uh, and uh, next, it's our first one of the month next week is actually going to be about women in science to go with uh, all of those uh, events we have this month. And uh, we're going to be chemists. So we're going to be making edible water bottles with (laughs) alginate, um, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We also have the Mineral Mondays, which are going on. And I don't know about talks that are coming up. Yeah, I don't know of any lectures. But, I mean, all the curators kind of take turns and occasionally Mm -hmm. give public talks. And we have other invited speakers who give regular talks here at the museum. Yeah, and like I said before, our March 14th is going to be our big Tiny Titans opening day. And so we're going to have lots of fun activities, coloring, hats. We're going to explore what dinosaur feathers would have been like. Mm. And uh, we're also opening a new movie in the Dyna Theater to coincide with that called Dinosaurs of Antarctica, which is going to be really cool. And it'll be all about, I'm going to say it wrong, Gondwanaland. 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 I forgot a D. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to know, and I was thinking about this earlier and I just forgot to ask, what did New Mexico look like when dinosaurs were roaming here? I, would love I mean, I can tell you what they looked like right at the end of the Age of Reptiles. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, and, 
what did New Mexico yeah, as a as a yeah, yeah but a beach farm property? Oh, perfect. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, at that time, it was uh, very tropical. I mean, Earth mm-hmm. was different. There were no polar ice caps at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, it was basically a tropical rainforest here. And there was a broad, shallow sea that crossed North America from from where the Gulf of Mexico is today, all the way up to the Arctic Ocean. It's called the Western Interior Seaway, and uh, the shoreline was right through New Mexico from north to south and probably cut right through El- where Albuquerque is now. We missed out on our chance to have beachfront property yes. yeah. by a couple million years. Now we just got to go <laughs> tingly. <Yeah. laughs> and we wouldn't have had our, our Sandia Mountains wouldn't have been... No, it was yet. pretty flat probably mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, because they're growing, right? Because of, yes. of the plates? Uh, and uh, the Sandias are young mountains. Yeah, they're only they're 10 young. to 15 mm-hmm. million years old, so... And so what about the dinosaurs that lived here? What kind of dinosaurs, what did they look like? What did they, what characteristics did they have? Oh, so, I mean, we have the best, uh, so I'm a specialist looking at, you know, about 70, 75 million years. And at that time, it was a unique set of dinosaurs, pediceratops, which is, you know, we have a sculpture out front, Spike. And that means five-horned face, so it's a horned dinosaur with a frill. Um, we have giant duckbilled dinosaurs. They're, they're about the size of elephants. Uh, and then Parasaurolophus has that big uh, crest on its head that it used as a sort of a horn. The Bisti Beast, which is one of the big Tyrannosaur dinosaurs. It's a relative of T-Rex. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, we had you know, Velociraptor-looking dinosaurs and just a wide variety. Armored dinosaurs. We have fossils of all these out on exhibit right now. I don't know. So, so many questions. And I, I can't even, like, like go through in my head because it's, like, pulling up old, like... We need a five-year-old is coming out. What Tom was talking about, we do have our exhibit we have downstairs. Uh, it's called Back to Bones, which is highlighting all of our New Mexican mm-hmm. dinosaurs that we find here. So our yeah, fossils that we find Yeah, all real fossils, mm-hmm. stuff that's been collected within the last um, 20 or 30 years or so. And uh, we have some really spectacular fossils. What well, one of the questions on the <laughs> What do you think is the weirdest thing you've ever found? Oh. That doesn't have to be a dinosaur bone. Oh, oh, boy. What's the weirdest thing you've uh, uh, Probably fossilized poop. Okay. Yeah. We call them copper lights. And uh, what? We don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it looks it looks like poop. That's yeah. the thing. Like, you you kind of uncomfortable touching it, and then afterward you have this craving to wash your hands. But it's, it's rock. rock. Yeah, it's rock. <laughs> so I'm sure that there's some younger listeners listening today. If they are looking at maybe wanting to become a paleontologist, what is the course of study? How do you how do you do that? Where do you start? Uh, first, you have to go to school for a very long time. <laughs> Any kind of uh, science, science career, yeah. right. You have to you know, get a, a Bachelor of Science degree uh, in some field related to paleontology. So my background is in geology. Uh, so I went to you know, an undergraduate school, and then I went to graduate school mm-hmm. to get a master's degree, followed by a PhD. So mm-hmm. I didn't have a real job until I was 30. <laughs> a real job. We're doing air quotes. <laughs> I just turned 32, so now I can get a real job. Is that, right. that how this goes? Right. Sweet. Uh, well, we're at about the halfway mark, so we will take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. 
What's Up ABQ is sponsored this week by Mark Cohen Designs, offering free design consultation in their showroom at 3301 Manal. If it's time to replace the standard builder's cabinetry in your home, Mark Cohen Designs offers custom cabinetry and countertops for all the spaces in your home. They provide full kitchen cabinet replacement, bathroom cabinetry and vanities, and custom pieces for display centers, media and entertainment areas, and home office. All of their cabinet lines implement top-of-the-line hardware, features, and storage solutions. Whether you're expanding your space or keeping the same footprint, Mark's Kitchen and Bathroom Designers will come up with the best options to maximize efficiency, flow, and beauty. They provide you with detailed floor plans and 3D renderings so you can experience your kitchen before you commit. Mark Cohen Designs, 3301 Manal Boulevard in Albuquerque in the American Square Shopping Center. Visit MARCCOANDesigns.com or book your free consultation at 837-8888. Mark Cohen Designs is What's Up ABQ. And we're back. And uh, we'll have you reintroduce yourself uh, so people maybe, if they came halfway through or whatever, they know. Okay, I'm Tom Williamson. I'm a curator of paleontology here at the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science. And I'm Misty Carty, a museum educator here at the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science. So we are talking dinosaurs and bones and New Mexico and all things bone, dinosaur, and New Mexico related. And I think my friend here had a question for you. I know that You've been thinking about a couple questions, Luke, and so I want to let you ask your other question. Have you ever found this prehistoric crocodile called, like, Sarcosuchus? No, uh, Sarcosuchus is from North Africa, I believe. So we have similar giant crocodiles. We have uh, something called Dinosuchus, which I think is even bigger than Sarcosuchus. Sounds like a research, sounds like a school project, (laughs) is what that sounds like. No, you first. We always do this. For those of you that can't see us, I mean, no one one can see us on the podcast. For those watching the podcast. We we have this little, like, this little signal we do where it's like a hand up or a finger up, and so we constantly are, like, doing this to each other, and sometimes it gets a little messy. (laughs) So... If you can, you can harken back. What what was it that first got you into thinking maybe I want to build my life around dinosaurs? Uh, well, it, it actually um, wasn't so much studying dinosaurs; it's just the idea of the vast amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that is behind uh, what we see today and just how much the earth has changed over that vast amount of time. So that's why I like fossils is this key to looking backward. You know, there's deep space and I was interested in deep time. So, and then how, what, what made you want to get involved with, with the museum in the first place? Oh, um, so I, like Tom, have my PhD. Uh, I have an astronomy background, and my kids actually got me into being a museum educator, honestly. Um, so I just love going into their classes and, and teaching them and, and started doing story times and things like that and, and was lucky enough to continue doing that here at the museum. I have to say, and you guys can't see Missy, but she has like the most incredible dinosaur bone sweater on, and then her necklace is like a is like a, is it a T Rex? It's, yeah. it's a T Rex skeleton. I love it. It's I wish maybe we'll take a picture if that's okay with you because it's incredible. It's just like it fits the mold today. I love it. And then Luke, you had a question too. Um, what was it? Um, yeah. So, have you ever found a um? Well, have you ever found? Have you ever discovered a new discovered dinosaur? Uh, yeah, several, as a matter of fact. So so not only have I found new dinosaurs that I've collected myself, but another thing that we do is we go to other museums and study what they have collected in the past. So I've named dinosaurs that I've found at other museums. So how do you come up 
with dinosaur names? Yeah. Uh, like, how do you decide, or do you get to? Imagination. Yeah. Okay. We usually look at like the Greek and Latin roots, and sometimes I use um, you know tribal languages mm-hmm. to come up with a unique name. So each each name has to be unique. So there's uh, not a, the a Frito Piosaurus out there yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. You could name that. That's <laughs> okay. that would be a valid name. But okay. you can't name a dinosaur after yourself. That's they kind of frown upon oh, that. So, man. but they do use names sometimes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um. So. How hard is it to find a really rare dinosaur? Very hard, but uh, sometimes it helps just to go in some place where nobody's really looked before. But that's becoming harder and harder. But New Mexico, when we were here collecting in the 90s, uh, people hadn't found very many complete skulls here. So almost any dinosaur you find in New Mexico, at least up until recently, was new. I mean, nobody had had really worked on them before. And you were talking before about, and I'm going to butcher this, I'm so sorry, Utah, no? No. Utah Raptor? Maybe yeah. Utah Raptor. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't discover that one, okay. but I know the guy who did. See, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to butcher this. I know I am. Something with Utah. Yeah. Dinosaur training all the way. I know. Tell us a little bit about that discovery. So that was uh, discovered by a guy named Kirk, uh, Jim Kirkland, who's the Utah State Paleontologist. And he discovered that, uh, I believe, back in the mid-90s. I, I could be wrong about that, but yeah, it's a giant raptor. I mean, that's what the public calls them. We actually call them dromaeosaurs, which people aren't maybe familiar with, but that would have looked like a, kind of what you saw in Jurassic Park, maybe even a little bigger. So in real life, Velociraptor is small. It's only about the size of like a German Shepherd. Oh, wow. I had no yeah. idea. I, you picture them being so much bigger. Yeah. Maybe just, thanks, you know, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Yeah. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Utah Raptor came out right around that time, and it was actually appropriate size. Do you ever watch movies like that and think, well, that's not historically accurate? Oh, or like, yep. oh, no, nope, wrong. <laughs> you better believe it. So that's all I do is, in fact, I teach a dinosaur class or uh, at, over at CNM occasionally, and uh, I will show a movie like Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, and then I go and we criticize it. We go, what's real and what isn't? So I was going to say, if, if this is your, your, your moment, what's one thing that in the collective imagination, imagination that you could correct? About dinosaurs, what would it be? Ah, uh, well, uh, from Jurassic Park, the major thing now we know is none of them have feathers, and so now we know that most of the meat-eating dinosaurs had feathers. That's one of the biggest things. I feel like maybe they need to do a Jurassic Park reboot. You know what I mean? Like I know we've gone Jurassic World status, but maybe we need to back up and just like reboot Jurassic Park to be more accurate. Yeah, right. Sure, it's just no, like a I know, right? <laughs> Some scientific accuracy. Luke, did you have a question? Have you ever found like? A saber, well, they call them saber-toothed tigers, but it's really called, I think the proper name is Smilodon. Have you ever, have you ever found a Smilodon, woolly mammoth, or caveman? Uh, let's see, I, I have found bones of, uh, not woolly mammoths, but we, we have mammoths here, but they're not the woolly kind. They're, we're, they're called imperial mammoths. They're bigger, they're much bigger. And uh, Smilodon, no, but I don't really work on Ice Age stuff. But another curator here, uh, Gary Morgan, he does, and, and I'm sure he's found Smilodon and other Ice Age mammals. Okay, so this is kind of related, but let's see where it goes. So now I write fantasy. Um, so I swear, every episode you have to just shove it in there, don't you? You have to just put it in but, there. But this is related, I swear. Right, okay, okay, okay. It's time. It's okay. okay. So, not, not including evolution, do you think there are any lingering leftovers of dinosaurs still in the world today or in there, the past recent? There absolutely are, and they're called birds. 
So birds are dinosaurs. It's not even controversial. <laughs> it's a fact. Yes. Theropod. Yeah, they're theropod dinosaurs. It's the only group of dinosaurs that's still around. But they're, they're, they're thriving. There's more species of birds than there are mammals. Most people, um, well, not most people, but this is a comment. Like, reptiles have their arms like this, mm-hmm. like, to the side, and dinosaurs have their, have their like, arms and legs under. Absolutely, yeah. That, that really sets dinosaurs apart from all their close relatives, you know, the other kinds of reptiles, that they held their uh, limbs directly below their bodies. And at least the first dinosaurs ran on their hind legs. Uh, so they were very, very, very fast animals, very fast running animals. So compared to, say, like a, a human being, like an average sized human being, how big would like a T-Rex have been? Ooh. If you can, mm. and I'm like trying to, ga- I'm trying to gauge size here. I'm like, okay, you know. Well, you've seen the movie Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, a T-Rex really could just swallow an, a lawyer with one bite. <laughs> Yeah. Was there eyesight based on movement? Uh, well, I mean, isn't everything's eyesight based on movement a little bit? No, I think that came out, that was something to do with uh, frog DNA they'd incorporated into the genetics. But you have scanned the bisdibes. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so we CT scan some dinosaur fossils. We, we scanned uh, the skull of the beast up at Los Alamos uh, so we could find out what its brain looked like. Because we can see what the brain cavity that held the brain, the shape of that. And so we know um, a little bit about, you know, what, what parts of their senses um, were exaggerated, I guess. And they had really keen sense of smell. So they have enlarged olfactory bulbs in their brain. Um, they also had a very good sense of balance and hearing. Um, not as acute as what you see with modern mammals, but uh, they could hear very low frequencies very well. Uh, we don't know what their eyesight like, but it was it was probably pretty good. We don't know if they had stereoscopic vision and that sort of thing. But have you ever have you ever like discovered a like a like m- like mosasaurus or ple or plesiosaurus? I've uh, found their teeth. Yeah, but I mostly don't look for marine animals. So. How big are their teeth? Just out of curiosity. Oh, they're several inches long. Yeah. So where do you think paleontology in New Mexico is going in the future? Uh, it really just depends on, you know, what kinds of scientific questions we want to answer. And, and you know, I'll keep pursuing my uh, Cretaceous and paleogene vertebrates, you know, while I'm still active, which I, I plan to do for years to come. So. I was just, I think one of the things we're, we've been kind of excited about is uh, uh, the, the scanning and 3D modeling yep. and mm-hmm. actually printing some of our fossils and things like that with our 3D printer. So. Yeah, so even though we, we collect dinosaurs the same way, we study them in, in mm-hmm. many new ways now. We have new technologies that allow us to see inside of the dinosaur skulls so we can see what their anatomy was like. Um, and, you know, people weren't able to do that before. We could do all kinds of uh, investigation. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how technology really changes like the scape and the mm-hmm. scope of how you how you do your work. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I didn't even think about 3D printing. That's such yeah. a good point. Yeah. And, and I mean, even so, pterosaurs aren't dinosaurs, but modeling their flight now based on scanning uh-huh. of bones and things yeah. like that. So and yeah, the, with use of computers, uh, 3D modeling, and and seeing you know what they're capable of doing based on just their physical properties. It's really cool. I think we have time for one more question from this uh, this eager seven year old over here. So, <laughs> um, how wide can a Tyrannosaurus open his mouth? Ooh. 
Ah, uh, boy, yeah, very wide. They had what they would call that gape, how how wide they could open their mouths, and they had a large gape. Uh, an incredible bite for so a T-Rex could crush a car with its jaws. It's the biggest bite force of any known animal ever. And, and that's one of these things you can do with uh, modeling is find out what kind of bite force they might have had. Mm-hmm. So speaking of mouths and, and bite force, this is a very important question. It's not necessarily scientific, but it's, it's, it's important nonetheless. And we'll go one at a time. Red or green? All green. Definitely green. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Not including a relative's house. If you want good green chili here in town, where do you go? Uh, El Chiritos. That's where I go. Uh, in Central. I, I can't answer that question. <laughs> I actually, we, uh, my family, we have celiacs, so we can't actually go out much. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah. The listeners have a suggestion for a place that also serves amazing green chili and is, like, celiac or gluten-free. Yes. Please let us know. <laughs> well, so I think, do you want to ask one more question? You said you had one more. Okay, okay. go ahead. All right. Well, not one more, like five more. <laughs> so many more. Um, like, maybe two. Maybe two. Yeah, maybe two. Okay. Um, like, have you found any, like, prehistoric snakes or, like, or, like relatives of prehistoric snakes in, in New Mexico? Yes, I have, as a matter of fact. Yeah, we find their vertebrae. Um, We found a a volunteer, the same guy who found the Bisnai Beast, found a snake skull. And we had that CT scan. It's a beautiful skull. And and I found isolated little snake teeth. So there were snakes there. They're probably um, constrictors, so they weren't venomous. So what do you feel that paleontology in New Mexico here offers the community? Uh, Well, it tells us uh, a lot about... uh, the past of New Mexico. I mean, it, I think it's really important for people to understand, you know, the natural resources, but also how we're sort of connected to the world. And I think mm-hmm. that's really important. And then what do you feel that the museum offers to the community? Uh, for the community, I think just as a, a great way to introduce everyone to the science and, and what we have here in New Mexico as far as you know, specific scientific uh, uh, spe- specimens and stuff. Um, but yeah, as a whole, our, our goal is to make a scientifically literate community and we'd love to start at the youngest ages and think of science also almost as a second language to introduce it at a very young age. Why did you replace the um like T-Rex like like how he was like roaring and like replaced it with like a robot that like roars all the way to like in the whole like museum? (laughs) (laughs) Well Stan is on tour so we haven't he's still around but we wanted to share him with the entire state Mm -hmm. so he he goes around from place to place and uh, we wanted to have a a robot dinosaur It's, uh, it's incredibly realistic and we thought it would bring dinosaurs to life so people could see what they actually looked like and acted yeah. like. Yeah, and, and was found here. Yes, it's a based on a dinosaur unique to New Mexico, yeah. Bistahi Verser. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for letting us pick your brains about everything dinosaur-related and New Mexico-related. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming next. This is really exciting stuff. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Hey, Albuquerque, it's Ryan. Did you know that you can leave us a 60-second voice message right on your own Anchor app for us? It's true. We are gearing up for our first ever listeners episode, and we'd love to hear from you. 
Leave us a message and tell us about some of the ironies that you've noticed about living with coronavirus or how plague has impacted your work or business or what weird or artistic things you've been up to lately as you've been stuck at home. In the meantime, you can also post your answers and pictures on social media with the hashtag Speaks. Take care, stay safe, and remember, we're all in this together. By now, the isolation has got you going. And the thought of even attempting the grocery store is like... And your kids are like... Fear not, Albuquerque. Just call Rhubarb and Elliot Doorstep Delivery. How about kids' favorite meals ready to go and pop in the microwave like chicken tenders, cheese quesadillas, or mac and cheese? Mom and Dad, we haven't forgotten about you either. With all-star dinners for the whole family and dinners for two, ready to heat and eat. Plus house-made soups, quiches, salads, and sandwiches, bagels, schmears, hummus, and even baked goodies. Not only will it satisfy your hunger, but all meals purchased help sustain the Albuquerque JCC's At-Risk Kids Meal Program. Free delivery to your doorstep with an order of $25 or more. Text them at 246-9608. That's 246-9608. Rhubarb and Elliot doorstep delivery on the web at rhubarb and elliot delivered.square.site. Here for you. Hey, what's up, ABQ listeners? Now is more important than ever that we support our local businesses here in the Duke City. Take a listen to some previous podcast episodes to hear more about the local restaurants, breweries, lodging, and museums that really need your help and support right now. Please consider ordering curbside pickup, buy some merchandise or gift certificates, or give a donation to the podcast's friends and community members during this time. And please, Albuquerque, Stay home if you can. Do it not only to protect yourself, your family and friends, but also to protect those first responders who were on the front lines and helping others fight this virus. We can't stress this enough. Please stay home. And contact Ryan and Lindsay if you have an idea for a show. Once they get to go back outside, of course, just send a message to abqwhatsup at gmail.com. Take care of yourselves and each other, Albuquerque. And please join us for next week's episode of What's Up ABQ.